Well, good morning to each one. Greeting our Savior's precious name this morning. I want to thank you as a congregation for being flexible. It helps me a lot that we can have the preaching service first. It gives me more time to be able to turn around and go to the funeral this afternoon. The title of the message this morning is The Destructive Sin of Jealousy. I, I am confident that everybody in this room this morning has struggled with this sin of jealousy. We all do. Young children struggle with it. They may want the other child's toy, their bike, or something of that nature. They're jealous of it. They want it. Young people are jealous sometimes of vehicles, maybe of friends, things like that. Uh, People my age are jealous sometimes of position, prominence, houses, uh, the list goes on and on. I'm not sure what some of the people older than me struggle with, but this is a sin we all uh, struggle with. But do we realize how destructive it is? There's, a, there's an example in the Old Testament I want to look at. You can turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 16. Uh, this is a story of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And I hope when we're done looking at this story, you'll understand the tremendous destructive nature of this sin. Then I want to go to the New Testament because if anyone's thinking this morning this isn't a sin, I want us to realize that the New Testament calls it a sin, a sin that keeps us from heaven. So it is something that's serious. Numbers chapter 16, I want to read verses 1 to 35. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the sons, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and to all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his, and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Hear, I pray you, even sons of Levi, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the Lord, that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And seek ye the priesthood also, For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? 
And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eli, which said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us out of a land that floweth with milk and honey, to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether appearance over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. And Moses was very wroth, and said unto the Lord, Respect not their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they, and Aaron Tamar. And take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer, and put fire in them, and laid incense thereon, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram. The elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up, with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel were round, excuse me, and all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord, and consumed the two hundred and fifty men that offered incense. Keep a finger here and turn to Psalm 106.
It brings it out in this passage, but I was I, I, I was reading Psalm 106 one day and realized the connection of, of jealousy to the sin of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And I want to show that to you. I want to start reading verse 16. This, this psalm is giving the history of the children of Israel and things that happened. And it says this. They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. You see, these verses make it clear. This sin that happened, this rebellion that happened in number 16 was fueled by the sin of, rebellion, of, of uh, jealousy. Excuse me. They were envious. Now, if you look here at verse, um, verse 10, it brings that out as well. Uh, Moses was asking Korah. See, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were Levites. They were leaders in the congregation. They had a, a position that God had called them to. But somehow, they wanted the priesthood. They weren't content just to be Levites. They wanted the priesthood as well. And, and Moses brings that out here in verse 10. He says the last part of the verse, And seek ye the priesthood also. There's a couple things I want to look at in this, uh, in this passage here in number 16 to bring out of the destructiveness of jealousy and what happens to us when we allow this sin to take root in our heart, it, it do, causes us to do some things. Let's notice what it did to these people. The first thing I'm going to notice is jealousy caused them to be critical. Notice verse 3. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. You notice also down here uh, about verse 12, uh, 13 and following, Moses called Dathan and Abiram and wanted to talk to them, and they made some critical statements about Moses. They said, you brought us out of this land that flows with milk and honey. And I read that verse and was like, how can this be? Scripture says they groaned under their slavery. Life was miserable. But they look back now and they say, we were in a land of flowing with milk and honey and you bring us here in this wilderness. Then they also made the charge that he wasn't able to bring them to the promised land. It was criticism that was unfair. And that's what happens. Jealousy changes the way we think and changes who we are. And we become people that we shouldn't be. Think back to the life of Moses. When God called Moses, drug, uh, Moses drug his feet like he had an anchor tied to it. He didn't want to be a leader. He did everything he could not to be a leader. God became angry with Moses because he wasn't submitting to what God wanted him to be. But then Moses did submit. He, he, it, it seems as I look at the life of Moses that he completely gave himself to this cause and poured himself into it. He, he gave everything he had being this leader, and yet they criticized him. Here in verse 3, the charge they made was interesting to me. I remember it in, the, in the 90s, we had some problems at the bank church. And a brother at the bank said these words almost word for word in criticism of John, of John Risser. He said, you know, something to the effect, why would John make himself be bishop when the whole congregation's holy? The Holy Spirit's among us. 
Why would, why would he have this? You know, he, he wanted the whole congregation to be able to make decisions by themselves or without the, the um, input of a leader. I remember when I heard him say that, I, I was thinking, brother, that's terrible. And I couldn't think of it in relation back to this story at the time, but then it hit me later. It's almost word for word. Human nature doesn't change. Somehow when we allow sin in our hearts, this the way human nature plays out time and again, and one of the things it does, it causes us to be critical. Some of the charges they brought against Moses, he takes too much authority upon himself. He set himself up above the congregation. He took them from this land flowing of milk and honey, and then he said that we're not, he's not able to bring us in the promised land. And on that one, was that Moses' fault that he couldn't bring them to the promised land? No, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't that Moses had done wrong. The people had done wrong. Solomon says this in Song of Solomon 8.6, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath the most vehement flame. There Solomon was talking about jealousy in the context of romantic love. But what he says is so true. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And we need to understand that. Second thing I want us to notice in this passage is that jealousy causes us to be disrespectful. Notice uh, verses 12 and following. Moses made a simple request to Dathan and Abiram. He said, come up. I want to talk to you. That's in my words. And they said, we're not going to come up. Because you're such a horrible person. They went to outline what a horrible man they thought Moses was. Do you see the disrespect coming out in these men? Scripture tells us that Moses was the most humble man that ever walked the face of the earth. Or meek man, excuse me, the most, the meekest man that walked the face of the earth. And we think sometimes of meekness as being humility. And it includes humility, but meekness has the idea of someone that's willing to, to restrain himself and not show his emotions. In this case, it says in verse 15, Moses was very wroth. These charges were unfair. They were disrespectful. They were mean and nasty. Quite honestly, as I looked at what these, how these men were acting, they reminded me of little children. You see, again, jealousy, when it becomes in our heart and we don't deal with it, it changes who we are and how we think and how we behave. This jealousy was destroying these men. There's a fable of an eagle which could not, which could outfly another, and the other didn't like it. The latter saw a sportsman one day and said to him, I wish you'd bring down that eagle. The sportsman replied that he would if he only had some feathers to put in the air. So the eagle pulled one out of his wing. The air was shot, but didn't quite reach the rival eagle. It was flying too high. The envious eagle pulled out more feathers and kept pulling them out until he'd lost so many that he couldn't fly. And then the sportsman turned around and killed him. There's a lot of truth and a lot of connection to this sin that we're talking about. When we become jealous, it destroys us. And we do things that we don't realize we would do or would think we would never do. Thirdly, this jealousy is destructive. 
I don't know if you thought about it as I was reading this passage, but this was a tremendous rebellion that Moses was facing. Here we have three Levites, Korodath and Abiram, plus 250 very prominent men within the group. This was a tremendous rebellion. It was a real problem. And as, you, as we read through the story, you saw what God did. God opened up the earth and swallowed these ringleaders and their families and their little ones. It specifically talks about their little ones. Do you see how jealousy reaches out and destroys other people? These little ones had done nothing wrong as it relates to this jealousy, but God saw it as being a cancer that needed to be dealt with, and, and he, dealt with, he, he destroyed all the families that were involved as well. Jealousy does that. It destroys families. It destroys relationships. It destroys friendships sometimes, even for generations. And, and there's one in mind that I'm thinking about that generations later, it's still being talked about, this, this jealousy. And, and it, it destroys people. And it destroyed these people. Now, in numbers, it destroyed somewhere over 250 men through this the earth opening up Along with, um, along with the fire that came and destroyed these others. Proverbs says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. I was reminded of the story of Joseph. Actually, there's a number of stories in, in Scripture that that sin is brought out because of jealousy. And Joseph, the story of Joseph's one up. Joseph's brothers were envious of him. His father loved him more than, they, than he loved them. And they were envious, and they sold him into slavery. Envy truly is rottenness of our bones, and it destroys us. Two shopkeepers were bitter rivals. Their stores were directly across the street from each other. And they would spend each day keeping track of each other's business. If one got a customer, he'd smile and triumph at his rival. One night, an angel appeared at one of the shopkeepers in a dream and said, I'll give you anything you ask, but whatever you receive, your competitor will receive twice as much. Would you be rich? You can be very rich, but he'll be twice as wealthy. Do you wish to live a, to live a long and healthy life? You can, but his life will be longer and healthier. What is your desire? The man frowned, thought for a moment, and then said, Here's my request. Strike me blind in one eye. So his rival received blindness in both eyes. Can you, can you fathom that? I know this is a story. I'm sure it's not true. But that's how we think when we become jealous. It destroys us. And it's destructive to others we come in contact with. The fourth point, the roots of jealousy affect many people. I'm going to start reading verse 41 and read the rest of the story. Number six, uh, 16, verse 41. But on the Mara, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared and Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein off the altar, and put on an incense, and go quickly unto the congregation. And make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700. Beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the plague was stayed. I just cannot hardly fathom this story when I think about it. These people saw the miracle that God performed. God had told them, separate from Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and all that belonged to them, separate or you'll be consumed. So they did. It, it, scripture tells us they moved away. And the earth opened up and swallowed this, these group of people. They saw it happen. And the first verse we read, the next day, they accused Moses and Aaron of killing the people. Can you fathom that? It just, it just, it blows my mind. I can't hardly wrap my mind around what happened. There's another thing I, that I'm just amazed at when I look at this story. If you look at verse 22, number 16, well, actually verse 21 God told Moses and Aaron, separate yourself from this congregation. I'm going to get rid of them. And he was talking about all the people. Verse 22, Moses and Aaron made intercession for God and said, God, don't destroy the congregation because of the sin of these men. And God relented and didn't. Then you come over to verse 45. After the congregation did what they did, and God told Moses and Aaron again, get up away from this congregation that I may consume in a moment. They fell on their faces, but God God worked from that point on, sending this plague into the midst. And here we have leaders that the people thought were horrible, and twice they made intercession so that all these people didn't die. I'm, I'm amazed at that, at how these leaders did. But in this, in this instance of the verses we just read, Moses told Aaron, get a censer quick, go in among the congregation. Hopefully we can stop the plague. That's my words. And Aaron did. He did that. The people obviously were dropping like flies. 14,700 people died till Aaron was able to make atonement and stop this plague from happening. I look back at Korah and his jealousy of Aaron. I am confident if he could have saw the future, he'd have repented. Are are we aware close to 15,000 people died because of his sin of jealousy? That's why the title of the sermon is The Destructiveness of This Sin. It affects many people. I'm certain some of these parents or some of these people that were jealous over the years if they could have seen the effect of their jealousy and what it's going to do to generations to come, they'd, they'd have repented. But see, we allow sins in our hearts sometimes that we think other people don't even realize are there. We think we can hide it. 
But those tentacles go out and they affect. And we can't bring it back. And Korah couldn't either. Close to 15,000 people died because of his sin and the result that happened. I want us to go to the New Testament. You can turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. I want to make a few comments before we look at this passage, but the New Testament calls jealousy sin, and we need to understand that. I mentioned about the core, I believe, would have repented had he just been able to see what his sin was doing. There's three things I want to, I want to try to get us to understand this morning. Again, I think all of us at times deal with this issue of allowing things in our heart that other people can't see, whether it's jealousy, whether it's bitterness, whether it's lust of some form. We allow these things into our heart, and we think that others can't see it. It's not affecting me. Um, I call it a, a luxury sin because many times what it does is it plays on our flesh. We enjoy it. You know, we run these things through our mind, and nobody knows what we're running through our mind. But see, Solomon says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you cannot get away from it. We allow these sins into our lives, and they affect us, and they affect many other people. So first of all, never allow yourself the luxury of having a sin in your heart whether it's, I call it a sin of the heart, because other people don't know it. It's not part of our actions. But it will become part of our actions, and it will come out, and it will defile. So never allow it into your life. Welcome the accountability of your brethren and your sisters in your life. See, sometimes other people are realizing that you had these things in your life, and yet you don't see them. You don't recognize, because it's, it's subtle. It has a way of changing us. Welcome that accountability. Allow your brother or your sister to talk about what's happening in your life and be open to it. And then thirdly, regularly examine your heart and make sure you're not allowing something into your heart that's going to defile you and defile many other people in years to come. I couldn't help but think of Oscar Wilde and something he said. I know I shared this with you when I was up for Bible conference, but Oscar Wilde was a man came to the United States as a very privileged person. He was a playwright. Um, and while he was here, instead of becoming a better person, he let his privileged status make him worse and worse and more sinful. And he finally found himself in prison. And he said one day in prison, I forgot that every action of every day makes or unmakes our character. And brothers and sisters, don't ever forget that. Every action of every day either makes you a more godly person or takes you further away from God. What you put into your heart is who you are. Everything you allow into your life either brings you closer to God or takes you further away from God. And it's very sobering. It's something we must understand. Okay, Galatians 5. I want you to notice verses 19 to 21. Starting at verse 17, my Bible has this uh, categorized as life by the Spirit. And then 
in verses 19, it, it gives a, a list of sins of the flesh. Notice verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And it gives a list. Now look at verse 21. The first word there is envyings. We're talking about jealousy this morning. Jealousy, envyings, lust, desires, they're all synonyms. They mean the same thing. We are desiring something that God hasn't given us. We want it for ourselves. And see, it's listed as a work of the flesh. Now, so we understand further. Go to the last part of verse 21. I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see what a dangerous sin this is? We think we can allow jealousy into our heart. And it's a sin. It's a sin that separates us from God. Those that allow these things in our life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then the next verse starts in the fruit of the Spirit. You are one or the other. You're either living in the flesh, allowing this sin in your life, or any of the others, or you're living in the spirit. You're one or the other. And we have to understand that. Turn in your Bibles to the book of James. <clears throat> book of James, chapter 3. I'm going to start reading at verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I want you to notice two things in this passage, verses 14 and 16 list envying and strife side by side. And I want you to understand they go hand in hand. And if you look at the history of people and the history of the church, where jealousy and envy has been involved, there is always strife. It happens time and again. And we need to understand that. I want you also to notice verse 15. Notice, this is devilish. This is a work of the flesh. It's not a work of the spirit. It's a work of the flesh. We need to understand that. Now, let's read further. Let's go into chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You notice I said here in chapter 3, Envying and strife are listed hand in hand. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says it comes of your lusts. Again, that's a 
synonym of jealousy, lust, a, a desire for something that God hasn't given you. And he says it causes fighting among you. Verse 2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to, heaven, to heaviness. Humble yourselves there in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I want to notice a couple things in these ten verses. First is, I've already mentioned, our fights come because of jealousy. I want us to understand, brothers and sisters, I've brought this out, but I want us to understand jealousy is because we desire something God hasn't given us. God is sovereign. He determines what is good for us. So my, my brother has a nicer car than I do. Does that matter? If God hasn't allowed me to have that, that's something simple. But I'm just saying that's an example. Jealousy comes because we're not content with God's given to us. That's the point of these verses. Humble yourself before God. Submit to Him. He'll lift you up. Let your life be in God's hands and deal with this sin of jealousy. Be content with what God has given you and where He's put you. And then we won't have these fights. Because God is going to give different people different talents, different abilities, different places of position, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the community or whatever. He's not going to give everybody the same thing. Are we willing to submit to where God has placed us and humble ourselves before him and submit to him? I want you to notice also in verse 4. You see he uses some words here that are very serious. She adulterers and adulteresses. That is a man or a woman who is unfaithful to their spouse. And God says, you're unfaithful to me when you allow this into your life. And he compares it to being a friend of the world. It's all part of this whole context. And brothers and sisters, the last part of that verse, is, it, it just makes me shudder. I do not want to be an enemy of God, and I hope you don't either. Are we going to be faithful to God and be content with what he's given us? The call in this passage is to repent. And to be what God wants us to be and humble ourselves before him. Now, this passage also has almost a dichotomy. It talks about God, God's spirit lusting greatly for our spirit. Now, how can God be jealous and we can't? Did you ever think about that? Well, it makes sense if you think about what I just said. Jealousy always in us always happens because we want something God hadn't given us. God owns us. Our spirit is his. 
He longs, He lusts to have His Spirit in our hearts with hearts that are surrendered to Him. There He is anyway. He has that right. But we don't have that right. We don't have the right to be jealous. So to wrap this up this morning, I want to go over some of the points I made. Jealousy is a sin that will keep us from heaven. And it's something we need to understand and keep forefront in our life. Secondly, when we start down the path of jealousy, which is a sin of the heart that most people aren't able to see within us, but when we start down that path, we need to understand that the tentacles are going to grow and it's going to affect many people and and defile many. The Bible gives us many examples of jealousy. The first sin of the Bible, the first murder in the Bible, excuse me, is the, is the sin of Cain murdering his brother because he was jealous that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and his wasn't. Then we have the example of Joseph, which I already mentioned. We also have the example of King Saul being jealous of David. And the, the misery that that caused to David as well as the whole camp of Israel for many years as Saul used resources and time chasing after David because he was jealous. Proverbs warns us that jealousy is a powerful emotion that none of us can stand up to and it will destroy us. We need to understand that and keep that in our, in our minds. Jealousy will keep us from heaven. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is not jealous. So we need to understand when we're jealous, there's something being taken out of our heart because God wants to fill our hearts with love. Because 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is not jealous. And James tells us that envy and jealousy are signs that Satan has a part of our life and we need to repent. So brothers and sisters, we all struggle with this sin. Are we going to win? Are we going to allow it to destroy us as it destroyed these 15,000 people in number 16? I want to challenge us not to give in to Satan. Lord bless you.